Well, it was another win for Max Verstappen and another win for Red Bull. Hi, I'm Tony Desiri. This is the Overtake F1 podcast. This is our Styrian Grand Prix review from Austria. It was the fourth win for Verstappen on the season and the fourth straight race victory for Red Bull Racing, taking the checkered flag in a dominating fashion. All right, this wasn't the most exciting race as far as the top two as Verstappen and Hamilton battled it out with Verstappen dominating this race, leading from the pole position. And really, I mean, when you look at the margin of victory... I mean, it was extended because Lewis Hamilton pitted late to obtain the fastest lap. I don't care. It was a dominating performance, a masterclass by Verstappen on the Red Bull ring. It also extends his lead in the championship. So we'll get to that. We'll get to all of the teams. We'll get to the results from Austria. But first, please subscribe to this podcast. Leave us a five-star review. If you like what we're doing, also share it with some Formula One friends. We would really appreciate it as we continue to try to grow this podcast. All right, so what happened in Austria is one of the reasons I love Formula One. The rest of the results matter. We sort of have a winner-take-all mentality here. I mean, it's it's under sports, and that's the true nature of competition. However, in Formula One, they make it a point to recognize that finishing best of the rest or a team getting their first point of the season or a driver finishing in the points in a car that he shouldn't have, that is a reason to celebrate. And we almost had some of those things, and we did have some of those things, and we'll dissect that throughout this podcast. So let's get started. So Verstappen starts from pole position and right away makes a move to dive right down to the right to hold off Hamilton. So he takes the lead heading into turn one. Hamilton would never make it close. By the way, this was the first Red Bull pole at their home track. So a little interesting note there. Right away, we saw some chaos going into turn three. That's a turn at the top of the hill that requires some severe braking, and it's a right-hander. Contact made between Charles Leclerc and Pierre Gasly. Uh, driving up to that hill, they made contact. Leclerc had damage to his right front wing, and Gasly, he suffered a puncture, and that ended his race. He went into the pits, and that was it for him. But Leclerc would end up in the pits as well after the first lap, so would Nicholas Latifi. Leclerc fell back to 18th after he started the race 7th. Gasly, who started 6th, was out after one lap, had some suspension damage. Lando Norris held his own in 3rd for about 10 laps, but he had nothing to defend when Sergio Perez came from behind in turn 3. McLaren likely saving his tires at that point. It was a very easy overtake, however, for Perez. He moved up to 3rd. Valtteri Bottas passed Lando a lap later. That put Red Bull and Mercedes in the top four of the race. Now, the real fight in this Grand Prix was going to be for third on the podium. Verstappen and Hamilton really pulled away from the field, and Verstappen was pulling away from Hamilton. That's the extent of the dominance between those two cars, and even more the extent of Max Verstappen in the race. One storyline, though, that was really getting steam at the first part of the race was George Russell. He started 10th after Yuki Tsunoda suffered a grid penalty, dropping him three places. So he moved up a spot to 10th. That means he got his choice of tires. And he had never gotten a point for driving for Williams. He did so when he filled in for Lewis Hamilton, coming in ninth in Bahrain. But he never scored a point with Williams. He's had some chances in the past, but he never accomplished that. But this looked like a race where he could do that. He was running in eighth very early on. Then in lap 17, he was told over the radio to go to plan B. And then when he pitted on laps 26, 
there were some problems with the car, and he came out in the back of the field. It was a really long pit stop, and then later on in the race, he would retire. That was a really, really tough break for him, and I know a lot of people on social media were really pulling for him, and again, it was just so disappointing to see George Russell, who had a car that could have finished in the top 10, not finish in the top 10. Sergio Perez was the first to pit among the leaders. A slow pit stop for him started on the softs. Mercedes then responded, getting Botas in a lap later. So they're going to try to take that position away from him, taking advantage of that slow pit stop by Red Bull, and that's exactly what they did. Botas came out ahead of Perez. Silver Arrows made that work. So they were running 2-3 behind Verstappen with Perez running fourth. So Hamilton comes in on lap 29. Now he gets a very good pit stop, and then Verstappen comes in a lap later on lap 30, and he gets a perfect stop for him. So nothing changes. So that's where the race was as far as those two guys were concerned. Max kept a four-second lead, give or take, at the halfway point of the race, and then really, really started to extend it. Now, it was at this point that the possibility of a two-stop strategy for Mercedes came into play. Would Hamilton actually do it? How would Red Bulls respond if they did? So Verstappen kept a four to five second lead in case that did happen. However, it never happened. Hamilton and Mercedes were content to ride in second place, not mess with the strategy that may not work out. You could get a slow pit stop. There's a lot of lap traffic. They are required to get out of your way, but in the end, it's dirty air. You never know what's going to happen. It's a smaller circuit. Whatever the reason may be, it was not put in play for this race. So what you saw was Mercedes basically saying, look, let's not leave here with more damage on the championship fight. Let's just take our second and then move on. We'll see if Valtteri can hold on to third. We won't lose too much ground there in terms of the constructors. So let's just get two on the podium, Max get the victory, and let's just get out of here. And that's basically how they played it. So again, the real battle in this race was for third place. Valtteri Bottas holding up Sergio Perez as Verstappen's lead grew and grew and grew. Perez came in and got medium tires on lap 55. He was going to try to get the fastest lap and possibly catch and overtake Bottas for third. So he was basically trying to make a two-stop hat strategy work for the third position in the race. He did make a run at it. He finished right behind Botas. I mean, a split second behind him, but Botas ended up with third and finished on top of the podium. So now let's get to Charles Leclerc. As I said at the top of this podcast, one of the reasons I like Formula One is that results do matter across the board. So a driver that suffers a misfortune who gets back into the points or a driver that's not expected to get any points does, it is a reason to celebrate. Now, let's make no bones about this. Charles Leclerc was responsible for the contact with Pierre Gasly. He's the reason Gasly left the race. So he put himself in the position that he put himself in to make a move to get back into the points. This was not an unforeseen circumstance. This was something that he actually created. I want to state that because he did get driver of the day. And he did get a lot of praise for how he drove, but let's not make the mistake of thinking that what happened to him on the first lap was just one of them racing deals. He hit Pierre Gasly on a straight going up to the hill in turn three. So with that in mind, he really did find some great pace after that incident at the start of the race. He got into the top 10. He made the very early pit stop. And then he went out there again and made another pit stop. And he passed Yuki Sonoda, Lance Stroll, Fernando Alonso. He finished right behind his teammate, Carlos Sainz. That was a great drive for him. And he did get driver of the day. 
Ferrari made a mess at Paul Ricard in France, and they really had problems with tire degradation. But this racetrack really suited them in terms of getting their pace, and they were really strong, really strong. We'll get to them when we do our team review. But overall, Charles Leclerc had one of his best drives of his career. It's not the best drive of his career, but it's one of the best. And getting back into the points position after what happened to him, albeit his fault, but he still did a very, very, very good job. In the end, though, Let's be honest, this was a clinic by Max Verstappen. It's a perfect race for him. He drove away from Hamilton. He had a 17-second lead with three laps to go, and that's when Hamilton decided that later on he would pit and try to get the fastest lap. The car was magnificent. Verstappen said afterwards it was on fire. He is really starting to pull away in this championship. However, and let's remind ourselves, this is what we thought about with Hamilton and Mercedes when they took the checkered flag at both Portugal and Barcelona, that Mercedes had the momentum. Remember, if you go back a few podcasts, I was concerned that Mercedes was starting to build up so much momentum that Red Bull was going to try to play catch up and that a few victories here and there or a couple of times where they were able to beat Mercedes was not going to be good enough to give us the championship battle. We're seeing that in reverse now. I mean, since Monaco, it has been all Red Bull. I mean, if Verstappen does not get into that accident in Baku, he wins four straight races. And albeit he doesn't win that race, his teammate does. So as a team, Red Bull has been putting on a show. They've won the last four races. Verstappen has won three. Perez has won one. They've got the championship lead with Verstappen. They've got the constructor standing lead now. And this has been a magnificent run for a team that not that long ago was looking up at Mercedes and wondering could they get the pace to compete with them after they left Barcelona. This has been a great turnaround for the sport of Formula One where people are just going, look, I need something else other than watching Mercedes win races every single weekend. And while you still have just a two-horse race between Red Bull and Mercedes, Ferrari's not getting into the picture, McLaren's not going to get into the picture, it's not like 2012, he had seven different drivers win the first seven races of the year, you do wonder how each race is going to play out. Will there be a two-stop strategy? Will there be a bad undercut? Will there be mechanical failure? Will there be a tire failure? Will there be a mistake made by one of those drivers that really shakes up the points? Anything can happen. Look back at 2020. You don't have to go back that far. I mean, Lewis Hamilton had a dominating year, but he made enough mistakes that allowed the door to be open for other drivers to win. If Verstappen does that or Hamilton does that, we are talking about a shifting championship race for a while here. And it's, it could go back and forth. And that could be really fun later on in the fall when we go to Brazil, when we go to Abu Dhabi, when we really are looking to complete this championship. All right, so let's get to the teams because we've already discussed Red Bull, but Mercedes, they settled for second in this race, and that's probably the right play. So many things could go wrong if they went for that second pit stop strategy to try to catch Max. Instead, they finish right behind him, limit the damage in the championship standings, and that's fine. Valtteri Bottas finished third. That was the best result for them. Look, if you don't have the pace against Max Verstappen, at least get the two cars behind him, and that's exactly what they did. For Botas, good credit to him. He came back from a three-grid penalty after his spin out in the pits on Friday. These are good results. This isn't the best result, obviously, but these are good results given the pace of the Red Bull car. However, these are the silver arrows. They do not like these kind of things. I mean, they want to figure out why they're not having the same pace, and they did not have that on Sunday. Hamilton said afterwards they do need to find it. They're staying in Austria one more week. The tire compounds are going to be one grade softer. They've got to find that pace. They really do. 
McLaren, another solid run for Lando Norris. How many weeks are we going to say this? I guess we'll say this every single race because that's where Lando Norris is. Uh, I predicted on Twitter that he would be on the podium. I was wrong. But once again, he finished right behind the two Red Bulls and the two Mercedes. This is the best finish that you can expect from McLaren on the grid. If all of those drivers in the front two teams are going to finish the race, no one's going to go out because of engine trouble, no tire puncture, no nothing. Lando Norris's best result is fifth, and he got that in Austria. And that's the best he can do. He's now scored points in all eight races of the year. His teammate, however, that's another story. Daniel Ricciardo did start well. He made his way through the field, but then he had some power issues. He said after the race that everything he had gained, he had lost, so he, and he just couldn't get it back. But here's the other point. He did start 13th, and that's a problem. Now, I thought he was making strides in this car, and I said so after France, after the review in, uh, from the French Grand Prix. I thought he was making some progress in this machine, but now, again, it sets me back because it doesn't look like he is. The, the thing that is surprising is this. Look, when drivers get to new teams, there's a learning curve. We know that, and that's you got to give them a few races. However, we're eight races in now, and the gap between him and Lando Norris, it, right now it's just too great. It, it's just too great. Um, they really need to, to bring that. If they want to compete with Ferrari in the long-term race for P3 and the constructors, they've got to tighten that up. That M Ricardo needs some better results. Now, as far as Ferrari, a lot was written and a lot was said about the Scuderia's problems in France. They never got that tire degradation under control. Both drivers who started in the top 10 finished outside the points. But in Austria, they showed some great pace. Both drivers earned points, especially Charles Leclerc, who called his race one of the best of his career. He finished seventh after dropping all the way down to 18th after the lap one contact with Pierre Gasly. Carlos Sainz was fantastic on the medium tires to start the race. He was 12th. He didn't pit till lap 41, and he overtook most of the midfield. He did have a chance to catch Lando. He was held up, and this is what he said afterwards, which I thought was interesting. He was held up by Lewis Hamilton when he came back out from the pits, and he actually overtook Hamilton. He said he was impressed with the pace of the car, very impressed with the pace of the car. Uh, but this was a good bounce-back race for them, and with Ricardo's struggles, it puts Ferrari 12 points behind McLaren for P3 in the constructor standings. I was watching an uh, interview with Mattia Bonanno afterwards. He downplayed it. Ah, you know, it's nothing to write home about, but I'm sure given the circumstances of that race and given the circumstances of what happened to Paul Ricard, they've at least got, they've got to be thrilled, right? Signs showed some great pace. Leclerc bounced back all the way to get a P7 after that disastrous uh, turn three incident with Pierre Gasly or right before turn three where he made contact and suffered some damage. That's got to be a great result. You can downplay it all you want, but that's fantastic for them. Aston Martin, it was not a great day. Uh, Lance Stroll finished eighth. Sebastian Vettel struggled in traffic for most of the race. He ran 12th. Really not much there for the team. Stroll did manage to stay out of trouble. That's what you want when you're in the top 10. You know, just keep riding along. Don't make any too crazy moves that will knock you out of that position. He did have a good overtake of Fernando Alonso in the race, but that was just about it. Alpine, this was another disappointing weekend for Esteban Ocon. He finished 14th on a bad weekend. Fernando Alonso, he ran in the points. He finished ninth, feeling like he couldn't really do any better than that. He did lose out with Fer when Ferrari had fresher tires. But overall, it's a points finish for him. It's Ocon. That's been the problem. It's back-to-back -back P14s, and you go back to Paul Ricard. 
And it also comes when the team announced a new three-year deal for Ocon, which does not have a Mercedes out clause, which I don't even know if that matters. He finished last in Azerbaijan, but that was a mechanical issue, but he still was starting the race P12. Alonso, however, is really starting to show uh, his groove for the team. Alfatari Pierre Gasly's day ended when Charles Leclerc made contact with him in lap one. He suffered a punctured tire, also some suspension damage. That's really too bad because he had a good car. He was starting P6. Yuki Sonoda finished 10th. He had to take a three-place grid penalty after qualifying Saturday when he impeded Valtteri Bottas in Q3. So he started P11, so he ends up grabbing a point. Now, the back markers, the only one to mention is George Russell. I was talking about this earlier. What else can happen to this poor guy? He got to start 10th. He got his choice of tires for the race due to Sonoda's grid penalty. He had the car up to 8th. He was running well. Then he pitted. And that was it. It was a very long stop. He had some pressure valve issue. It was took him out of the points. Later on, he had to retire from the race. This was a great opportunity for him to finish in the top 10 in a Williams. He did finish ninth at the Secure Grand Prix last year in the Mercedes, but he even had some bad luck then. Remember, he was in the lead, had a puncture. They called him in for the puncture. He was also had that issue with uh, Botas in the double stacking situation. I mean, Here's a guy who's the embodiment of the cliche, if he doesn't have bad luck, he wouldn't have any luck at all. Remember at Imola last year, he spun out on the safety lap and ended his race, had a good chance for points then. He finished 11th at the Tuscan Grand Prix at Mugello. That was another chance for him to get some points. I feel bad for this guy, and I feel bad because he's a rising superstar. This is what we've been hearing about George Russell for a very long time. I mean, I don't want to play in the game of getting into a guy's mindset. I don't know how he feels about these certain things, but does, I wonder if it bothers him. He's a young guy. He's looking around and he sees like Lando Norris and a McLaren actually get on the podium a few times. Charles Leclerc is driving a Ferrari. Pierre Gasly's got three career podiums, including a win at Monza. As he look around and say, you know, I'm not getting any younger here. I mean, I just keep, can't keep waiting for Total Wolf to make up his mind about who's going to be that second driver for Lewis Hamilton or if Hamilton decides to retire and that seat is vacant. Let's drive him crazy. I mean, look, there's nothing wrong with driving for Williams, iconic team, but this is not the same Williams. We know that. Now, look, that company is ticking upwards. There's some progress here. But they are a backmarker team. There's no question about it. The company is on an uptick. That's for sure. I mean, they're showing progress. And there are only going to be a few more opportunities where there are points potential that they're going to be in certain circumstances where Russell may qualify really well, or there may be a circumstance where there's some attrition up front and he gets to move up and be in a position to challenge for a 10th spot or maybe even a ninth spot. You've got to give him a reliable car. You've got to give him a car that can get there. You know, they're not going to win any races. No, but under the right circumstances, they can get a point or two. Yet every single time he's got that car in a position to do so, something happens. Something happens. And even when he was given the Mercedes seat, it was some bad luck that occurred. The one time he's going to be driving for Mercedes at the Secure Grand Prix last year at Bahrain, he still didn't. He still had some problems. So I felt bad for George Russell. All right, uh, this weekend, it's the Austrian Grand Prix. They're staying right at the Red Bull ring. Pirelli using a softer compound for this race. Same track, though, and we'll see if Mercedes can figure out how to get some pace to keep up with Verstappen. Again, later on this week, we'll have a preview of the Austrian Grand Prix, as well as some news and notes around Formula One. Uh, some news and notes now that we want to get to. Turkey is back on the calendar. This will be the replacement race for Singapore in October. This is great news. Istanbul is one of my favorites uh, from the past, and I was glad to see 
see it back last year in the makeshift 2020 calendar. Remember, Felipe Massa used to win this thing like 15 years ago for Ferrari. It does mean that some rumors about the United States getting another race this year are kind of done for as of right now. Uh, there was some rumors that that race would be, the Singapore race would be replaced by a run at Indianapolis maybe, or another run at the Circuit of the Americas in Austin. Um, right now, that's on the back burner, but you never know. That could come back up again if there are problems going to Japan or Brazil or wherever. However, I just, I don't think that's going to happen, especially Japan. I think with the Tokyo Olympics coming, they are definitely going to find a way to go there. But again, never say never. You don't know where the, where COVID and the restrictions may pop up this fall. So that may pop up. Anyway, it's good to see Turkey back on the schedule. I love the race last year. I've always liked Istanbul Park, so I'm glad it's back. The Russian Grand Prix will be moving from Sochi to St. Petersburg in 2023. It'll be held at the Autodrome Agora Drive, which received its FIA Grade 1 license last year. Sochi is not my favorite track. I know many of you probably feel the same way I do. It's flat. It's not really fun to watch. Mercedes dominates there. I think they've won every race. So I think it started in 2014. I think Mercedes has won every race there i don't know anything about agora drive i know that herman tilke designed it it has 15 corners i can't make any judgment either way on that on that racetrack again so later on this week the austrian grand prix preview we'll have top five bottom five of the drivers as we head to round nine of the world championship as well as other news and notes that may pop up this week for formula one i'm tony desiri this is the overtake f1 podcast once again subscribe leave us a review if you like what we're doing here also share with a friend we would love it as we continue to grow this podcast i do want to apologize uh, we did not have a steering grand prix preview i was on location last week and we had a little bit of a technical difficulty with some of the remote equipment to record the podcast um, but we are back in studio for a while now enjoy the week we will be back later on for the austrian grand prix preview this is the overtake F1 Podcast.